Hello and welcome to Biblical Moments. This is Evangelist Frank King. Greetings in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. In this episode, I want to focus on the power of God. My friend, he is the same God today that he was in days of old. I will be teaching from 1 Corinthians chapter 2, and I will be using the King James Version of the Bible. Today's message is entitled, Faith in the Power of God. In Luke chapter 5 and verse 17, the Bible says that as Jesus ministered, the power of the Lord was present to heal them. He didn't just minister the word of God, but also he ministered the power of God. Now that should tell you something. You see, there are some things that the word of God can accomplish. And there are some things that only the power of God can do. I know that some portions of the body of Christ argue that the power of God and signs and wonders and spiritual gifts are things of the past. But it's way too late for someone to try and convince me of that. I want you to know that we are living in a time when not only must we have faith in the word of God, but also we must have faith in the power of God. So in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, Paul the Apostle is writing to the church at Corinth about this very subject. Now, we know that Paul was a spiritually deep man. All you have to do is read some of his epistles. As I read them, it amazes me what God poured into this man. But sometimes that can be a liability. People can become too hung up on the wisdom that you speak. Paul was concerned about that. So in chapter 2, verse 1, he says, I, brethren, when I came to you, came not with excellency of speech or of wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God. Now, he is not saying that there's anything wrong with excellency of speech or of wisdom. I certainly would prefer someone to present the gospel that way than the exact opposite. But as we work our way through the text, we will see that Paul is going somewhere with this that's important. Verse 2, For I determined not to know anything among you, save Jesus Christ and him crucified. Now, that's enough to get people saved. 
If you can preach about Jesus Christ and his crucifixion, that's enough to get people into heaven if they believe the message. For a preacher to be used of God, you can't preach anything less than that. So what Paul is saying is that I came to you as if I knew only the bare minimum of the gospel. Then in verse 3 he adds this, And I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. Wow, what a pitiful sight for a preacher. You know, when I was young in the ministry, an older pastor was trying to get over to me the importance of looking and acting confident. He told me that even when a person does not know what he's talking about, if he appears confident that he does know what he's talking about, many people will believe that he does know what he's talking about. And I have met a few people like that. They were just as wrong as two left feet, but they talked as if they knew it all. But if a preacher comes, as Paul mentions here in verse 3, he would have trouble inspiring confidence in anyone. Again, in verse 3, he says, I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. Imagine that, a fearful and trembling and weak preacher. So let's get to the bottom line. Why did Paul choose to come to them in the manner that he did? Well, listen to what he says in verse 4. And my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power. Verse 5, that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Paul was loaded with wisdom and knowledge. If anybody could, he could have wooed them with the depth of his wisdom and knowledge. But what he really wanted them to be impressed by was the power of God and of the Holy Spirit. So when they saw this preacher come in with bare minimum knowledge and fear and trembling and weakness, and when they saw the demonstration of the power of God, they knew it must have been God doing the great things he was doing when Paul was among them. And that was the goal. On the other hand, Paul reminded the church that he was not one who lacked wisdom. He says in verse 6, Howbeit, we speak wisdom among them that are perfect, and yet not the wisdom of this world, nor of the princes of this world that come to naught. But we speak, verse 7, the wisdom of God in a mystery, even the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the world 
unto our glory. So he's saying we do speak wisdom, but we do so among the perfect or the mature. And you see, that's not exactly what the church of Corinth was. That can be clearly seen in chapter 3, verses 1 through 4, where Paul underscores the fact that this was an immature and carnal body. Paul did not want the people to get caught up in the enticing words of men. He wanted them to get hooked on the power of God. And I tell you, friend, it's past time for the church to have faith in the power of God. You see, oftentimes when we are preaching, those who are listening can't really receive what we are talking about unless they have faith in the power of God. For instance, consider a person who comes to church on Sundays, but who is not saved. He's bound by alcohol and drugs. And it so happens that on a particular Sunday, I'm preaching about the born again experience. The person hears me talk about how God can change us and give us a new heart and make us a new creation. So this person hears the message and knows that what I'm talking about is exactly what he needs but he just can't get over the fact that he has tried a couple of rehabilitation programs and that they failed and he fears that if he accepts Christ that this will be just another failed effort the problem is that he hears what I'm saying but he can't believe in the life-changing power of God. Or how about this one? You are married and you and your spouse have been on the brink of divorce the past six months, but you keep coming to church acting as if everything is okay. And you and your wife are hearing about this awesome God that we serve, but you keep telling everybody that there is no hope for your marriage. What's wrong with this picture? You don't believe in the power of God to save your failing marriage. I feel sorry for people who attend churches where they are taught that the God of yesterday is not the God of today. They don't believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit and spiritual gifts and that God does supernatural things among and through his people. I came up in a church like that. I was ordained to preach in a church like that. And you see, when people are brought up in churches like that, they tend to lack faith in the power of God because it's not taught or recognized in the church. And faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. As a Christian, it's a terrible thing to live your life not having faith in the power of God. Now let's get to the bottom line as to why it's important for us to have faith in the power of God. In the 13th chapter of Matthew, 
Matthew writes about the time when Jesus came to his own country. And according to Matthew chapter 13 and verse 58, Jesus could not do any mighty works there because of their unbelief. You see, faith is the only climate in which we can experience the miracle working power of God. We can come to the house of God and talk about how awesome he is all that we want to. And we can sing songs about his greatness, but that's not enough to cause him to show up in our churches with healing and signs and wonders among his people. God wants us to do more than that. He wants us to come to the house of God with faith and expectancy to see and to experience his power. Amen. Praise God. Hey, listen, I want to thank you for listening to this podcast episode. I encourage you to believe in the power of God for the seemingly impossible challenges you experience in your life. And until next time, this is Evangelist Frank King saying, may heaven's best be yours.